Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. You know, having a growing knowledge of any topic can be extremely edifying. Well, in today's podcast, we're going to take that thought and build upon that and actually turn it around as we continue our series of For Him. Well, we're excited to continue our series today entitled For Him, in which we're talking about how we live and who we are in service of Him, in service of Jesus. In our first lesson, when we talked about Priscilla and Aquila and their marriage and talked about their relationship with Paul, we talked about relationships being part of the foundation of God's church, a foundation of specifically the church in Ephesus. We started looking at this church beginning in the city of Ephesus back in the year right around 50 AD. And again, talked about the relationships and how important they are and how we all contribute uh, to those relationships to build our church. Next, we talked about having impact into the community. Uh, how Priscilla and Aquila impacted Apollos in Acts chapter 18, and how Paul uh, had multiple conversations in Acts chapter 19 with a variety of different people of different backgrounds. But Paul was the expert of reaching out to different people with different backgrounds and different interests. And he was able to share Jesus with magicians and Jews and many others. You know, today we're going to look at when the church had actually been around a little bit longer. Uh, up until now, we've been looking in a book of Acts uh, right around uh, 50, the year 50 AD. But like all things, you know, time passes by. And today we're going to look at the church of Ephesus as we see it in the book of Ephesians, which was written right around 62 AD. And of all the areas that that we'll continue to build upon here, today we're going to talk about growing in our knowledge for Him. Growing in our knowledge for Him. But before I get too far into it, I'd like to look more at the bigger picture of what was in the air at Ephesus at the time. In that first century, I think it's important for us to see the bigger picture of what the average person, whether it be Priscilla and Aquila, whether it was Paul, whether it was Apollos, whether it was one of the other followers of Jesus there, what were the things that they saw in the city of Ephesus? What were the things people were talking about around town? Because I think that can help us identify better with these followers of Jesus that we see in the book of Ephesians, that we saw in the book of Acts, and that can inspire us today as well, because I think you'll find that actually a lot of their temptations, a lot of the things that were talking, being talked about around the city of Ephesus then are similar to things now. I'd like to just point out as an example of some of the things that were going on in Ephesus, the Temple of Artemis. The Temple of Artemis was a big fixture within the city of, of Ephesus. It sat up on a little bit of a hillside overlooking a bit of the city, and it was an incredibly uh, beautiful, uh, magnificent structure in the first century. The Temple of Artemis was actually a Greek temple dedicated to ancient and local form uh, of the goddess Artemis, who's also known as Diana a Roman goddess of fertility. It's a perfect example of the different influences that came into the area 
of Ephesus, where you have a Roman influence, you have Greek influence, and then many others as well. The Temple of Artemis, the one that, uh, that you would find in the first century, was actually the third Temple of Artemis. The first one was built in the 8th century BC and was later destroyed by a flood. The second was built uh, much bigger and grander, but then that was destroyed by fire in the 4th century BC. The third was built, and that's the one, again, that sat on this hillside, looking down over the city of Ephesus during the first century. And it was the biggest one yet. It was grander. It was imposing. It was an awesome spectacle. This temple sat over 60 feet tall. If you've ever walked on a football field, you would know that a football field is actually pretty large. This temple was one and a half times the length of a football field. It was one and a half times the width of a football field. It was huge, made of tons uh, in a very literal sense and in a numerical sense of hand-carved stones that were built pillars, 127 columns in all, were pieced together by master craftsmen and again stood 60 feet tall. That's like a four, maybe a five-story building that you see around your town today. It was a massive temple. And every time it was rebuilt, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. A second century poet by the name of the Antipater of Sidon mentioned, I have seen eyes on the wall of lofty Babylon on which is a road for chariots and the statue of Zeus by the Alpheus, and the hanging gardens, and the colossus of the sun, and the huge labor of the high pyramids, and the vast tomb of Mausolus. But when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliance. And I said, Lo, apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on aught so grand." If you walked over to the temple of Artemis, you would have been uh, standing in one of the most beautiful structures and one of the biggest structures, one of the most imposing structures of the time. But what's behind that? What is behind this this great big uh, temple of Artemis that was there? Well, it's centuries of family and, and culture-held beliefs. It is centuries that got a belief that got deeper and deeper and deeper of time. How do I know that? Well, the temples that were rebuilt kept getting builder. Uh, I'm sorry, kept getting built bigger and bigger and bigger. They kept getting more ornate. They kept getting uh, more imposing. You know, if it was something that people didn't care about. It would just get smaller or go away, not even be rebuilt after it was destroyed by a flood. But this was something that the people cared deeply about. They went there to worship. They went there because it was a part of their culture. After the second one had been destroyed, Alexander the Great offered to rebuild this third one. But the people said, we cannot have one God, meaning Alexander the Great, build a temple for another God. So they decided that we shall do it. The people built this, uh, the temple of Artemis. 
So it makes sense in that light in Acts chapter 19 with again the temple of Artemis looming over the city for now what would have been centuries. That a bunch of silversmiths and trade people were riled up against Paul shouting, great is Artemis, Jesus is no God. A God is not any God if, unless they're hand carved by stone. You see, having these gods made sense to these people, having the temple of Artemis, and there were other temples there in Ephesus as well, it made sense to them. And Jesus did not make sense. Jesus had no temple. Jesus had no stone figure carved of him. And so in the time when Paul comes talking about Jesus, it makes perfect sense for the average person to like, where's your temple? I'm sorry, you don't have a temple? Let me show you the temple of Artemis, and let me show you who I worship. You know, most of us don't uh, live in places where there's a big temple looming over us today, although there are uh, a huge population of the world still worships in temples and bows to uh, various idols and gods. But we have other uh, long-held and growing beliefs in our times that go uh, directly against what is true and reasonable and found in Scripture about Jesus. We have other things looming over our city, cities, t attempting to dissuade our logic, attempting to dissuade our faith, working against us. We sometimes like to give these things names and they can confuse us and distract us and work against our love for God and squish our faith anchored in his truths. And you might be in a spot now where you have a bit of confusion on some of the things that are out there. You might not be tempted to worship an idol that might be laying in your drawer. But we have other things that can make our faith dwindle. Other things that can get in our way. That other people in the world will reason with you to not to believe in Jesus. To not be a Jesus follower. Either way. The reason to truly ground ourselves and continue to search for a growing knowledge in God's word is so that we can continue to see God in a bigger way. Uh, last week, I was so excited to ex discover a new town uh, here in Virginia where we live. My wife and I moved here about three years ago, and as we you know, get around from town to town, we, we discover new places. And if you've ever moved, it's always, uh, at, least, at least to me, exciting to go make new discoveries, to discover new places, places that have been around for a really long time. And you learn more and more and more about the area. The town I, I went to this week was a town called Palmyra. And Palmyra is not a large town. It has a, maybe 10 houses in it, uh, maybe more. But it's a very, very small dot on a road map. In it is a very uh, old uh, jail. It's a historic town that's been around for, for many, many, many years. I needed to go to Palmyra. We had a clock that needed to be repaired. And I took it to a little clock shop, to a place where someone could repair it. And going into this shop, which was the size of about a kitchen and a home, uh, it, it was filled with clocks, 100, 200 clocks, grandfather clocks, mantle clocks, various uh, uh, different clocks. Some of them newer, some of them older, dating back into the 1800s. But it was an incredible little clock shop. The person that worked there was super friendly and helped me with what I needed. 
But it was fun just to discover a new area of, of Virginia, a new town of Virginia, and a new store that could help me with my clock. Yet in that moment, as I learned more about Virginia, I learned more about Palmyra. I don't think that Virginia, I don't think Palmyra is edified by my expanding knowledge of Virginia. I don't think the state is excited that I'm learning more about it. I don't think the mountains are excited uh, to learn that I made another hike down a trail or discovered this or that. And so when I think about growing in our knowledge, generally it's, it's for me, it's for the person, it's for the one who thinks that I can grow in knowledge. Well, today in the face of the Temple of Artemis and looking at the church in Ephesus, I want to expand our thinking, the idea of growing in knowledge, not for ourselves, but for him. Growing in our knowledge for Jesus. But why would we need to do that? What, what should we want to know about? And how should we go about that? Well, to answer these questions, uh, continue to look at the church in Ephesus. And we'll go a look at briefly at Acts chapter 28 later in the lesson. But right now, I actually want to start in Ephesians chapter 1 in our previous podcasts and looking at mainly Acts chapter 18 and chapter 19. Uh, those, as mentioned before, were right around the year 50 AD. At the end of Acts, Paul finds himself in Rome where he, uh, uh, we'll look briefly at it later in Acts chapter 28, but it's during that time he actually writes what we know as the book of Ephesians. And this letter that was written uh, to the church in Ephesus. So I'll be reading from the NET version today, and I'm going to start in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1 at verse 1. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the Father and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He did this by predestining us to adoption as his legal heirs through Jesus Christ, according to the pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace that he has freely bestowed on us in his dearly loved Son. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our offenses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He did this when we revealed to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ toward the administration of the fullness of the times to head up all things in Christ, the things in heaven and the things on earth. In Christ we too have been claimed as God's own possession, since we were predestined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. And when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. My first thought today is to remember God's gift to you. Remember God's gift to 
to you. You know, Paul starts in verse 3, he says very bluntly that we, meaning the followers of Jesus, are incredibly blessed. That we are incredibly blessed. He says, blessed is the Father, the, I'm sorry, uh, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms of Christ. He says that we have received every spiritual blessing. And then he continues to list three different sentences that support that idea. Three different blessings that support the idea that we have received every spiritual blessing. And then in the paragraph I read, there's supporting sentences for those three blessings. That was for the people then at that time. But if you are a Jesus follower today, if you love your Jesus and Jesus is your Lord, I think you can claim these three for you as well today. The first one was in verse 4 where he says, for, we, uh, for he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. You know, Paul orders the relationship here. He says that God chose you. You know, I was reading uh, recently John chapter 15 where Jesus cites that very same thing. He says that I have chose you. God chose you. You have not chosen God. God chose you. Let's order that relationship. That we haven't done anything righteous enough. We can't do enough. We can't even uh, pray enough, go to church enough, read our Bibles enough to do something right so that we can have this relationship with God. No, 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 no. God has chosen you. The second one he mentions in verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our offenses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. As said, you know, we cannot do enough things to have our sins forgiven. We cannot live a righteous enough life. We can't invite enough people to church. We can't read uh, enough of our Bibles. We can't memorize the whole Bible front to end uh, enough. We cannot uh, um, go to church and pray enough. We have not done a single thing to deserve to have our sins forgiven. It only comes through Jesus's blood on the cross. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus to remind them of this. And finally, number three in verse 11, he says, in Christ too, we have been claimed as God's own possession since we were predestined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ would be to the praise of his glory. We belong to him. You know, if you're a parent and listening to this and you have some kids, uh, my goodness, we're always proud of our kids. We had a family over for dinner recently and we were sitting there eating and, and the mom had the young children uh, talk about their days of school, what they were learning, the sports that they were involved with. And you could just see the pride glowing from the mother and the father as the kids talked about the things that they were doing. And it's like that as a parent, that these kids are mine and I'm proud of them. But even if you're not a parent, you probably have things that you're proud of. 
It might be a project at work. It might be a friendship. It might be a project you did a long time ago. There are things that, uh, uh, that you hold highly. It might be a niece or a nephew, a family member, or it might be a, a sibling relationship. But there are things in our lives that we hold very proudly. Well, for God, one of those things is that we belong to him. It's almost as if he's saying, these are my kids. They're mine. I am so happy with them. So the three blessings that Paul starts out with in early Ephesians, chapter 1, one being chosen by him because he loves you. Number two, the riches of his grace providing us forgiveness of our sins. And number three, he claiming us as his possession. This was a reminder for the church in Ephesus as Paul wrote that. And it's a reminder for us today. And if you're, my, if you're like me, you need those reminders. You need those reminders from time to time. Because that can cause gratefulness and motivation to stick with him. To remain in him day after day after day, regardless of the temptations that are out there, regardless of the temple of Artemis that might be looming over you personally or over the city. That can cause distraction, that can cause confusion. Jesus is a way to clear that up. But, but time marches on. Time marches on, so we can't just stick with remembering God's gifts. We need to grow in knowledge for him. That's my point number two, is growing in knowledge for him. After referencing those three specific blessings, he continues in verse 15. It says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you can know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of his power toward us who believe as displayed in the exercise of his immense strength. This power he exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as head over all things. Now the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church in Ephesus, the brothers and sisters that walked around the, the marble streets, that walked past the temple of Artemis, they loved those people around them, and the church was faithful and growing. But Paul is essentially telling them not to be content. You know, he said that, I pray that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened. Or in other words, if you would allow me to switch that words in maybe a little bit better English for today, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you spiritual wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him. You know, because they were people like you and I, 
They face as much temptation or adversity as we do. They had neighbors with different faiths, different philosophies. They had family members that thought they might maybe a little bit crazy and were critical. They had family problems. They had personal problems. They struggled in their own temptations, etc., etc. Their lives were much like ours, just at a different time. Yet through humility and perseverance against things that tempt them otherwise, they could see what God had done for them. Their eyes had been enlightened. They were faithful. The eyes of their heart were able to see, and as a result, they had a growing knowledge of him. Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus was uh, that they could continue to add wisdom and revelation to this growing knowledge. I find it interesting that his prayer wasn't that their church would continue to grow, that it wouldn't double in number over the next two years, that his prayer for them didn't include long-term good health or any other things, but as that their already growing knowledge would be expanded, that there would be wisdom and revelation added to this growing knowledge. But, but why? Well, if you caught what I read, he actually gives three reasons for this prayer. Three reasons to the prayer that he wishes that wisdom and revelation would be added to their growing knowledge. The first one, in verse 18, it says, so that you can know what is the hope of his calling, so that you can know what is the hope of his calling. You know, the temple of Artemis, other temples, other faiths, they were there looming over the city. There were other gods and teaching influences everywhere, just like us today. And just like our need is prayer for the Ephesians is so that, that they can grow in knowledge so that they can cut through the clutter, to see through the fog, to see what can be kind of confusing, to see through that, to navigate through confusion and see the hope of God's calling clearly. You know, Satan is really, really good at throwing you lies and throwing confusion towards me, toward all of us, lies and confusion to distract us from spiritual things. But Paul's wish for the church in Ephesus and for us today is that we can know the hope of his calling to stay one step ahead of Satan's lies. The second reason that Paul gave for offering this prayer for the church in verse 18, it says, so that they would know the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Doesn't that just sound great? I just love how that sounds. The wealth of the glorious inheritance. Like, that doesn't stink to think about that, right? A wealth of a glorious inheritance. I mean, if they weren't growing, how could they learn and appreciate the vastness of the inheritance that God is offering us? If I don't keep growing in my knowledge of Virginia, how can I know about the history and know about the hidden secrets uh, of, of historical things or current things? How can I know the best paths and the best waterfalls to go see out in nature if I don't continue to grow my knowledge of Virginia? And maybe in the better comparison, as mankind continues to grow in our knowledge of outer space, it is an incredibly vast uh, um, uh, space. Uh, we can't even really comprehend how big outer space is. If you ever see uh, some videos or see pictures of uh, Earth compared to the Milky Way and then the Milky Way compared to other galaxies that are out there, we are just uh, a, a smaller uh, than a dot. 
on a map. It is so, so vast. How can we, if we're not growing, how can we learn more and more about the wealth of God's glorious inheritance? Maybe the bigger question, that other than apathy, why would you not want to have a growing knowledge of this glorious inheritance? Why would you not want to know about the vastness of the glorious inheritance? You know, whether it's your jobs or your education, you know, if you're not growing in them, you kind of cut yourself short. You, you cut yourself short on, on your career path. So it pays to keep growing. And spiritually, Paul knew it for them as it is for us today. And number three, in verse 19, a third reason that Paul gives for his prayer for the church in Ephesus. He says, And what is the incomparable greatness of his power towards us who believe, as displayed in the exercise of his immense strength? The strength that raised up Jesus from the dead, to overcome all demons and take you and me and a host of other messed up sinful folk that have all kinds of disgusting things in our background and allow us to be followers of Jesus and have our lives wiped clean. Our, our slate is clean. It's white as snow. It's hard to get in touch with that power if you're like me. I don't quite understand it but then all the more to continue to grow in wisdom and knowledge and to expand on those topics. But then even more than that, Paul continues in verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 1, offering Jesus as the head of the church and placing us, his followers, as the body of Christ and the fullness of him who fills all in every way. That's an incredible thought, that we can be the body of Christ, that we can be the fullness of him. So when you think about a growing knowledge, certainly it's for our own edification, but when we grow in our knowledge, when we grow in our wisdom and our reverence for Christ, we become fuller people for him because we are the fullness of him. We fill out bigger lives than we ever could have imagined. Imagine uh, Priscilla and Aquila had they not chosen to follow Jesus. We wouldn't know who they are. Imagine Apollos not have chosen to be a follower of Jesus or Paul or the many other people in the New Testament that come after Jesus. We wouldn't know who they are, but living our lives, growing in our knowledge, adding wisdom and revelation to a growing knowledge of him can help us live better in the fullness of him growing knowledge for him. But I'd like to turn back for a minute of, okay, 
what if we choose not to do that? What if we choose not to grow or take it very lightly? Don't think about it. I'd like to look at Acts chapter 28. At the same time that Paul is in Rome and having some interaction with some Jews there, at the same time he is writing these very words in Ephesians chapter 1. Well, why is it so important to go back? Well, there's a contrast in the way people reacted to Paul in Rome at the same time Paul is writing this. It was a different story and I think a warning for us today. In Acts chapter 28, Paul spoke directly to the Jews about the kingdom of God, about Jesus, about the sacrifice, about God's love, and many of the same things that the church in Ephesus had heard. There wasn't anything new there. And I'll pick up in Acts chapter 28, verse 23 and 24. It says, From morning until evening, Paul explained things to them, testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others refused to believe. Paul was using the very words of the Jewish law and the prophets, what we know as the Old Testament, to convince them that Jesus was the Son of God to convince them that he was the path, that he was the way, that he was who he said he was. And while there were some that were convinced, many others refused to believe. They just didn't buy into it. Even from their own words that they had read many of times, they weren't open to learning anything new. They weren't open to saying, gosh, I didn't consider that, or oh my, I didn't realize that. They were done learning, and they would stop spending time learning more and more about who God was. They were good. They said, no thanks. Unsaid, I know all I need to know. The thought of learning something new to these folks was questioned and denied. But then Paul quotes their very own scripture out of Isaiah to them in verses 26 and 27 of Acts chapter 28. He says, you will keep on hearing, but you will never understand. You will keep on looking, but will never perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have closed their eyes. And those people left the room. If we do not have a growing knowledge of him, who's to say that we cannot end up in that same boat? Where we feel like we have learned enough. Where we know enough. We're good. We don't need a growing knowledge of him or for him. If we lose our way, and having our growing knowledge of him, it will stifle us, squish us, and keep us from having a growing knowledge for him, living in the fullness of him. We need a growing knowledge for him because there is so, so much to learn. What is it that you'd like to know about the hope of his calling? What is it you would like to know about the wealth of his glorious inheritance? What is it you would like to know about his greatness? 
of power. You see, the more we're enlightened and continue to grow in our knowledge, the better we'll understand his gifts and how we are the fullness of him to his glory. And it will more and more spur us to live bigger lives like the people I mentioned, Paul, Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila. We will understand more and more about living out the fullness of him as the body of Christ. And when living out the fullness, all of a sudden we'll start to impact more and more people around us, just as it did for Jesus, because people notice that. And of course, all of this is for his glory, growing in the knowledge for him, for his glory. Our lives are so small without it, and we sell God and ourselves short. If we don't put all effort into growing in our knowledge, I want to encourage you this week or after this podcast, if you have time, to take time to go back and read Ephesians chapter 1. Read Ephesians chapter 1 and think to yourself, why is Paul praying this for the church? Why was the prayer not about health or about growing or about other things that it could have been? In fact, go ahead and read all of Ephesians. Do your own study on the church there and think about the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? What does it mean to be the fullness of Christ? And when our action does reflect us being the fullness of him to his glory, what can happen and what can God do through you? Let's continue to grow in our knowledge for him. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it, would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area, would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.